Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information about Home Church, visit us at myhomechurch.org. If you want, just put your hands out in front of you. You can have does that mean? It feels good. You can never go wrong with giving everything to Jesus. He doesn't want to just be a part of your life. He wants to cover your whole life, take it over and give you a new life. The life you were meant to live, the life you were meant to live is in him. Thank you, Jesus. So I just pray for those of you who have never given your life to Jesus. You may have given him a slice, but he wants the whole pie. (laughs) God, I pray for those who have never heard or understood what it means to give everything to you, Lord. Those who are excited because they feel your presence here this morning. I ask Jesus that you would show them how good it is to live a life unto you, completely and totally consumed by your will and your ways, God. You are worthy, and it is the best life. So we bless them this morning as their hands are open to you, God. We say, have your way. Have your way in all of us, Lord. Fill us afresh with revelation of what it means to give you everything, God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I'm speaking today. Yay. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm excited. Mama Mel wants to run away. (laughs) Just kidding. It is true. Today I'm talking about being a pure and pleasing offering to the Lord. What it means to be a pure and pleasing offering. Because there are offerings that are pleasing to him and offerings that are not pleasing to him. And it's important that we understand and know that. 
There are offerings that God rejects. And we don't want to pretend to be ignorant of these truths because that's how so many have fallen into being displeasing by being ignorant of the things that God displeases. So you can become so focused on the things that he's asking that without knowledge of the things that he doesn't delight in, you can get lost in religion, in practicing these things. So this morning, we're going to take a look at the other side of the coin, right? (laughs) Man, I was in the circle, in the prayer circle before we started, and I said, Lord, why do you always have me speak on this side of the coin? <laughs> if you don't know, I, I'm always talking, the Lord's always putting on my heart holiness and purity and obedience to God. And the Lord said in the circle, it's because of how you were and the things you hated when you were in the world. And what I hated was authority. I hated boundaries. I hated rules. I hated anything that would be called pure. (laughs) I hated anything that would be called holy because to me it sounded like chains. But it was a lie and it was a veil over my face. So now God has completely freed me from those things. And I live a life that is happy. Happy and holy. Because he purchased our holiness with his blood like we've been talking about. But there is a way to walk in that. And there is a choice that needs to be made daily. And I just want to deliver this, um, this word and tell you that to walk in holiness is to be happy. I am so happy. <laughs> Even when things are horrible, I'm still happy. Because I know that God has made a way through every circumstance to just sail above it all. And I just um, impart that to you in Jesus' name through this. (laughs) So that's why I talk about this other side of the coin. Thank God for Johnny, Caesar, and Andrew who always talk about the other side of the coin. (laughs) Because I need it too. I need it too because my heart can get hardened. And what I'm talking about today is not about earning anything because Jesus has earned it all. But I'm talking about inheriting everything that Jesus paid for. Amen? Throughout the Old and New Testaments, we see that God is pleased or not pleased with offerings to him. And um, I'm going to talk specifically about worship And if it's your first time here, you probably have already seen that we're a worship community. We love wild worship, and it's because we understand and know what we've been freed from. And we understand and know that he is so worthy. I cannot jump high enough. I cannot shout loud enough. I cannot raise my hands high enough for it to be enough uh, for him. He's just so much greater, and um, he deserves that kind of wild worship. Okay, so I want you, if you're new here, to um, before you leave, there's a sign in the back. I want you to take a look at that sign because I want you to attach your faith as uh, to, to attach your faith to what we've been doing because we're not just lifting our hands because we're excited. We're lifting our hands with faith, understanding that it throws darts at the enemy. Right? We're shouting, understanding from biblical perspectives that when we shout that walls come crashing down of our enemies, that we enter new territories, we lay prostrate, there's moments of silence. These things in worship, we attach our faith from the Bible. We're not just haphazardly worshiping. There's real deep truths. And I want you to um, 
really root yourself in that. And also, um, next Sunday is the Connect class, and there's some more information, too, in the Connect class as to why we worship this way. It's biblical worship. It's the only right response to Jesus. It's the only right response. As you understand how good he is, how free he's made you, you can't help but exuberantly worship and it just feels like it's not enough. The more you understand about him, the more ways you want to like create to worship him in. But with that being said, <clears throat> um, you can open your Bibles to Amos 5, 17 through 24. If we find ourselves um, afraid to look at what God doesn't desire, that's unhealthy. That's very unhealthy. We need to have a healthy relationship with God. He desires a healthy relationship with us. And it's important to continually expose our hearts to the truth. And I want to tell you that no emotion is a bad emotion. No emotion is a negative emotion. So anytime, like, that you feel pricked by the Holy Spirit, don't just push it off and say, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel that. Let me think about all these other things that make me happy. These things are healthy. God has created and designed us to be able to have a negative emotion and detect, hey, something's not right here. So I want to invite you this morning that if you feel a prick, which you might, I know I did, <laughs> that you don't push it away or put your hate on me because I'm just delivering what God's put on me, right? Because ultimately this is for our freedom and for his exaltation. Amen? So no emotion is a negative emotion. <laughs> They're all unto the good. Amen? Don't run. <laughs> I promise it's going to be so good. Yeah. All right. So Jesus... I thank you for how you've led me in this way. I give you my life as an offering, a living sacrifice this morning, and I say yes to what you desire to speak, God. As your word goes forth, I pray that there would be power in the name of Jesus, that you would destroy the works of the evil one in our lives, God, especially that which is deceiving God, that which we can't even see, God. This morning, would you unveil our eyes to any secret places that the enemy has crept in, in Jesus' name. We long to please you, to be a pure and pleasing offering to you, God. We long for this worship in this house to go up like incense and be accepted, that you would love it, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray now that your eyes would be opened. You would have eyes to see. I pray now that you would have ears to hear. I pray now that you would have a mind to understand, that you would have a heart to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Let's go to Amos 5, 17. 5, 17. Sorry, 5, 18. Jesus. So if you don't know, this is the Old Testament. And 
Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism. So Jesus is the Messiah. So we believe everything that Judaism believes. The Old Testament is what the Jews study. So right now we're reading from what they read, what they understand, except we're reading it from a perspective that the Messiah has come. So it's so much greater. But I'm going to explain it to you and break it down to you as it was written. And then we're going to come out of its original intention and we're going to view it from the new covenant, okay? So don't get scared. <laughs> because perfect love casts out fear, fear of punishment. We have no fear of punishment any, any longer because of the blood of Jesus, amen? But we want to please him and give him a pure offering. All right, let's look in our Bibles. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? and gloom with no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened calves, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness, like an ever flowing stream. Hallelujah. Everyone's like, what is going on? <laughs> I'm going to give you a little background to this portion of scripture. King Jeroboam II was in the northern kingdom and he was the king of Israel. And at this time, the surrounding nations who were enemies of Israel and at war oftentimes with Israel when God was judging Israel, everyone was at peace right now. Everyone was subdued under Israel. And King Jeroboam was a wicked king. And right now, he thought everything was wonderful. He thought everything was great with God. And so he became complacent, and so those underneath him became complacent. And they began to, um, they began to um, obtain wealth, and they began to build buildings, and they began to oppress the poor. And they began to hold, um, to hold the poor in contempt. They began to put debt on the poor. And that's a big deal to God. That's a really big deal to God. And as that took place, they also became more and more increasingly sinful. They became, they practiced sinful habits, right? And you have to remember, this is Israel. These are God's people. They're meant to be light and salt in the middle of their enemies. They're meant to express and show who God is and his nature. And now they're falling to the very things that the surrounding enemies were doing. Yet one thing was different is that they were practicing still the feasts and the worship. And it's important that you know this. If you look here in, um, if you look here in verse 21, the prophet Amos says, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assembly. Now, he's prophesying from the Lord. 
These feasts were instituted from God in Exodus. These were very important feasts. They celebrated and marked things that God did. And God designed it so that they would celebrate these things. So that's important that you understand. They weren't practicing something that God didn't ask them to practice. And again, um, we see even... uh, Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Burnt offerings and grain offerings were commanded by God to be given to God, to the Israelites. So these, again, are things that God said, I demand these, and Israel was giving them, yet he's rejecting these offerings. Then we see peace offerings, fattened animals, same thing. Take away from me your songs to the melody of your harp. I will not listen. Musical worship has always been a part of worshiping God. We see it from Miriam in Exodus. We see it commanded in Numbers. We see it as a part of war throughout the entire Old Covenant. We know the New Test- in the New Testament, songs were sung and people were broken out of jail. We see in the early church that people fell under the power of God while they sang hymns. Music is very important to God. Around the throne room, Up in heaven, songs are sung, holy, holy, holy. So why? Why did God institute these things and Israel is practicing these things and now they're being rejected? It's so important for us to take note. What what the prophet Amos was saying when he said, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why did they desire the day of the Lord? It's because the day of the Lord was a day of deliverance. So they sat in a position thinking because they were practicing these things that God instituted that the day of the Lord was going to be a joyful day of deliverance. But Amos came and he declared, woe to you. Thank you, Jesus, that we never have to hear woe. (laughs) We'll break that down later. But it's really, it's crazy. They thought they were being delivered, but what Amos was declaring, he wasn't issuing a warning. He was declaring destruction is coming to you. Destruction is coming to you on the day of the Lord. Instead of being the people that were going to be delivered, what Amos was declaring is that they had become enemies of God. How? They're practicing these things that God instituted. And it's so important that we take note of this, that it never, ever happened to us. Ever. So we're going to look at that side of the coin. So what happened here? Look at verse 24. This is what gives us the clue. But let justice roll like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. In other words, let your lives emulate the one that you're worshiping. Let those who are being surrounded by you experience me through you. Let your choices be marked by what is important to me. Let your lives be lives of worship. You see, these feasts became gatherings for simple pleasure. They were empty practices. They didn't revolve around God anymore. They revolved around man. As I read this, I had so much sadness in my heart for a lot of the church. And I'm thankful that I I feel that we're not in a church that 
practices in this way, but I don't ever want to become ignorant. And that's why we read the word so we can check our hearts. But if all we ever do is come into this place and jump up and down and wave a flag, yet never let it lead to a lifestyle, we're in trouble. (laughs) We don't want to misrepresent God. Eventually, the nations surrounding Israel would overtake Israel. And they would need to be delivered again. Thank God he's so faithful to deliver his people. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yeah. Turn to Matthew 21, 13. Because I want to bring this into the new, new covenant. But I also want you to see that in the New Testament, that this same principle... I promise you this is all good, guys. (laughs) It's so good to check your heart. It's so good to examine yourself that you would be a pleasing and pure offering to God. This is not to bring condemnation. It's to bring freedom because, remember, God came to deliver us from the evil one. And these things, when we check ourselves and God is authoring faith for freedom, they allow us to be broken of these things that are holding us down. All right, Matthew 21, 13. Now, you guys, we're pretty familiar with this scripture being a house of prayer. If you don't know, we're a house of prayer, which means that for us, our expression of that is that um, we gather morning and night, Thursdays and Fridays, and one day we'll gather morning and night every day of the week, and we lift up prayer and worship to God. And uh, so these, these scriptures are very precious to us here at Home Church. So in 13... He says, Jesus says, it is written, and this is at the cleansing of the temple. So Jesus came, and he came into the Jewish temple, and he cleansed the temple. He confronted the temple, and he said two things. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And then he said, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, at first glance, you might say, that makes sense. God would want a house of prayer. And a den of robbers, maybe they're selling stuff and, you know, robbing people. And while that at the surface level is true, there's an even deeper meaning here. Jesus is literally quoting two of the prophets in the Old Testament. The first part he's um, quoting where it says, my house shall be a house of prayer is Isaiah 56, 7. And I'll just read it to you. You can mark it in your notes so that you can go back to it. He says, Uh, In Isaiah 56, 7, it says, These I will bring to my holy mountain to make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. So we see Jesus is defining what he desires his house to look like from the prophet Isaiah, from what um, he prophesied. So there's an offering here that Jesus is showing that is pleasing and pure to God, right? In contrast, in the second line, comes from Jeremiah. um, Well, I'm going to read you Jeremiah 8 through 11. So if you could turn there, this is really important because this is, again, 
showing the offering that God rejects and the purpose and, and reason why he rejects it. Jeremiah 7, 8 through 11. So remember, Jesus comes in, cleanses the temple. He says, my house shall be a house of prayer, quoting Isaiah. And now he's quoting Jeremiah 7 and saying, but you've made it a den of robbers. So what does it mean that, he's, that they've made it a den of robbers? Here's what it means that they've made it a den of robbers. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, offer sacrifices to Baal, and walk after other gods that you may not know? Then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say we are delivered, that you may do all of these abominations. Has this house, which has been called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I have seen it, declares the Lord. The offering that God is rejecting here is an offering that looks like hiding out in religious practices and not living a lifestyle of following him. Declaring that we are delivered people, but living as the world lives. Jesus' blood has purchased freedom from evil and sin. Sin is not your friend. Sinful habits destroy our lives. They steal from us. They kill everything that God designed us for. They are not your friend. We can't hide out in these practices. This is exactly what the Pharisees did. And I'm not accusing us of doing that. I'm saying let's purify our hearts even more. Let's do the very opposite of what they have been accused of. Let's go deeper in walking out and being so serious about offering God something that is pleasing and pure, giving the lamb everything that he receives and everything he has paid for from our lives. You all sang it. Thank you, Johnny and the worship team that they led us today saying, you can have it all, Lord. This is what it means that he can have it all. It means every choice in your life. It means everything. It means every motive. Every bit of your life should emulate and be, the choices should be made from his heart and who he is. And look, the reality is not all of us are in the same place. So this is going to look different to every person. We're not commanding perfection right now, but we are saying look at the perfect one and live from that place. Make choices according to what he says. Look into your words, see what he's like. This is exactly what the Israelites didn't do. They didn't they didn't remember that our God is a God who lifts up the poor, who frees the poor, who is justice to the oppressed, right? So we can't forget that. And I, I feel a, a heavy hand of the Lord, a heavy hand of the Lord in things like gossip and in things like forgiveness, bitter roots. God was showing me bitter roots in things, in small compromises, in unholy habits that we're saying that's our personality. I felt God saying, come on, cut these things out. 
Cut them out. Cut them out. Offer me a pleasing offering. Don't get stuck in a place where you think that everything's fine. No, he just knows these things are okay. No, they're not okay. There's nothing okay about them. They're destroying you and they're misrepresenting him. And God is worthy. He's so worthy. I'm not saying jump up and down. I'm saying jump up higher and pursue righteousness with the same zeal as the height that you jump. <laughs> Amen. We see here in these two seemingly small, simple portions of scripture that there is an offering Jesus accepts and an offering Jesus rejects. The totality of a life of worship is exuberant proclamation and praise and everyday lifestyle and choice that follow his nature. So it, it's like this beautiful back and forth. So you come in, you seek his face, he speaks to you, he shows you who he is, you go out, you live from that place, you realize, wow, this is really hard, I gotta get back and see him again, and then you see him again, and you realize, okay, yeah, I wanna, I, you're so beautiful, I wanna live like that, I want nothing to do with my old life, fill me up, God, he speaks to you, you go out, you're living it, you're feeling great. And look, the reality is you don't need to get to this side and start failing. What you need to do is realize, I need to get back here faster. I need to keep coming back faster. You come to this place where you realize I am so poor in spirit and I feel like the, the more that I learn about Jesus, the more that I see him, the more that I see his perfection and his beauty and his humility and his love and his compassion, the more I realize I really need him. I used to be like, man, I got this. I'm so walking out this holiness. We're so good. Like, and the Lord like was like, no, you Pharisee, you cannot do this. You need me. And that's like, I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We need Jesus so desperately in our hearts. Even when we're out here living for him, like holy, really holy, like stopping and pausing before we make decisions that we may have made every day before that from a place of the flesh. Now we're saying, no, I'm going to stop and I'm going to live for him. Even in that, when we triumph in that victory, you better run back to that closet <laughs> because he's going to, he's going to show you a new part of himself and a new part of yourself. <laughs> but it's so good. And it's unto this glorious, happy, delightful life. And it's an offering that's so pleasing to him. And when you walk in this way, I'm, I can't tell you it's so freeing it's so attractive it's just wonderful it's the best thing it's life and life abundantly come on get excited with me <laughs> you guys are listing all the things that you're like oh I gotta gouge that out I gotta take that out but that's okay can I just tell you that's okay I feel like the church has taken away permission to really like go to this place of being like I, not, not here, I'm not blaming us, but in general, like go to this place of searching our hearts and being like, that's not okay. We have to be okay with being like that. I don't, that doesn't look like you, God. I'm, I'm practicing something that doesn't look like you. And I don't want that. It's okay to be grieved over that. <laughs> It's not okay to stay in a place of grieving and that's where we come to the table and we understand his broken body and his blood and it doesn't condemn us it just brings us to this place of need and and humility and repentance 
Repentance is so beautiful. It's the best thing in the world to be able to come to God and say, I need your help. I am failing in this. I need you to touch me. And it's okay to be broken over that. In fact, it's strange not to be. For me, if I'm not broken over my sin when I sin, I'm alarmed. So should you be. And that's where we need to touch this morning is that's what happened to the northern kingdom. They weren't alarmed at their sin any longer. They thought everything's okay. And I'm not saying at all that destruction is coming to you because Jesus took the woe. He took the destruction upon his own body. How much more so does he deserve a life laid down for him? You will never be destroyed. You never have to fear punishment like the Israelites feared punishment. But what we do want is to respond to him rightly. We don't want to end up just halfway inheriting what Jesus paid for. Meaning, yeah, when you die, you go to heaven. But heaven is in you now. The Holy Spirit, you are a temple. You are a temple of God. You are a perfect temple for the perfect Holy Spirit. Now you might be like, I'm not perfect. Oh, he made you perfect. Your identity is perfect. He has made you perfect. Man, I was disciplining my my little girl. This is so simple. Some of you guys are going to be like, yeah, duh. Well, I'm a mom of four and I just got it. So... I was disciplining her, and I was like, that's, Phoebe, you're being a bad girl. And the Lord said, don't do that. Don't do that. He said, she's a good girl, and that's why she shouldn't do this. That's what we need to get through our heads. He said, you say, you're a good girl, and good girls don't do that. Simple enough. (laughs) You guys liked it. Woo! Sometimes I'm like, they're all so smart. I just have like these mom things to say. (laughs) You are holy and righteous, blameless. You are a wearer of white robes. Your inheritance is the earth. So don't do it. (laughs) Because it has nothing to do with who you are. You're a new creation in Christ. You're missing out on nothing when you say no to sinful desires. I promise you, in comparison to what you'll walk in, it's glorious. The weight of the world just poop, poop, gone. When you walk in all the things that he's spoken to you to do, there is just this lightness. And no, nobody's perfect. You're not going to get it perfect. But... You're going to run back to his feet when you don't get it perfect because that's his will. It's about following his will. Amen? Okay, I'm totally off. Hallelujah. You're a good girl. Good girls don't do that. (laughs) We We put it in order. So I'm convinced here in this house that if you attend here that you desire to worship God, I, I mean, you can't come here and not want to worship God because you would want to run out the door when we start worship, I'm sure of it. 
But there is a lifestyle of worship that God is demanding from his people, that he desires from his people, that he is absolutely worthy of, and that is a life lived down, laid down to him, right? So all of these liturgical practices, I go to college, liturgical, hallelujah. <laughs> all of these things are unto practicing in your life his person. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Are you challenged? Good. It's such good work to do with your life. Anyone who's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm lost. How, just be sanctified. In whatever you're doing, walk out your sanctification. Work on purity. Work on representing God wherever you are. You'll be happy, I promise. You're going to feel so full of life. It's going to be wonderful. Hallelujah. So, again, I'm not saying don't jump up and down. If next week you guys aren't worshiping the Lord wildly, I'm, like, going to start, like, grabbing hands and we're going to dance. <laughs> I mean, we do that anyway. But I'm going to grab the people I know that don't want to dance. All right. <laughs> Joe Johnson. <laughs> listen that's going to be the plan so Joe's going to encourage you all weak in holiness <laughs> okay let's turn to Romans 12 1 through 2 I pray that you're encouraged right now I pray that your heart is burning with desire he's so good he's so worthy This is one of my absolute favorite scriptures. You see, we're coming into the new covenant now. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. God no longer demands the blood of goats and bulls because he has sacrificed himself. He has completely and totally fulfilled the need for death for a sacrifice of death. And all that is left for us is to give him a living sacrifice. So we, we see here in 12.1, uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. To live your life as a living sacrifice means to give God the authority in every single decision. In every single word that's uttered, in every single moment. It's so good. Some of you might be like, that's a lot. It is. It's your whole life. You don't get to keep any part of your old life, nor do you want it. We don't want to keep alive what is meant to be dead. Kill it. <laughs> and live. And if you're, um, yeah, 
I was just so moved by this portion of scripture because right after this, if you want to know where to start, if you're like, okay, so where do I start? Although I know that each and every person in this room who belongs to God knows where to start because the law is written on your heart. (laughs) That's my favorite part about talking to believers is like, they can be like, no, no. And I'm like, yeah, no, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because the law is written on your heart. So even though your flesh might wage war against it, the law is written on your heart. So we know when we're talking to one another, even though somebody might be convincing themselves, no, that's not true. There's something in them, a still small voice that's saying, that's right. And that is the way to life and life abundantly. So let's just, um, yeah, you can read after 12, honestly, all the way all the way to the end, <laughs> but, but specifically um, through 13. But let's go to 9, because I just felt the Lord on this. I was just reading this over and over and over and over again, um, 9 through 21, and then we'll end. And this is um, a very small portion of what it looks like. Let love be genuine. That'll take me like the rest of my life. (laughs) Let's stop there. Do you know that you are literally, the purpose of your life is to be a conduit of God's love to this earth? To be a conduit, to be a channel of his love to the world around you and not just the fallen world, but the body of Christ too. Your purpose in the body of Christ is not to walk around being like, see you sinned, see you sinned. Oh, look at you. You should be doing this. It's literally to be a conduit of God's love and to be the person who is walking that out to be that love. Abhor what is evil, hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. We've talked about this before. Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness because he hates evil. Do you want to be really glad and joyful, wild, exuberant joy? Begin to hate what's evil. You don't hate people. People are gods. (laughs) They belong to Jesus. Jesus came to deliver them from evil. So we never hate a person We understand that they are captives of the evil one, and we know the one who has the ability to deliver them from that evil. So don't ever for one second think that you're okay to hate somebody when you're in Christ. We abhor what's evil. They're not evil. What's over them is evil. And we have the message that delivers them from evil. Jesus is our victory, and it's their victory too. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I mean, honestly, take this portion of scripture, write yourself out a list, and you'll be doing this for the rest of your life. (laughs) This is what it means to be a living sacrifice. Bless, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another means in the body of Christ. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Repay no one evil for evil. Let's just start there. Someone gives you an attitude, bless them. Hug them, love them, have compassion. Say, what's going on? Don't make it about you. We don't need to serve ourselves. This is what it looks like to be a living sacrifice. And then when we jump up and down, (laughs) it's pleasing to God. Hallelujah. Give thought and do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, Oh, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Well, that's fine with me. You're probably better at it than I am. Hallelujah. (laughs) And don't be like, "Uh I'm going to forgive them because vengeance is the Lord's. Just forgive them. (laughs) To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be, over, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Come on. So good. Jesus is so good. This is who he really is. He loves his enemies. We are his children. We need to love each other. This is what makes a pleasing offering to God. So, uh, Mark, if you could put something on. I just really felt like um, rather than have the prayer team come and pray for people individually, that you, if you desire to, would just present yourself to the Lord freshly as a living sacrifice committing to him your whole pie (laughs) all of it jumping up and down waving our flags playing our instruments shouting to the Lord singing at the top of our lungs can become just as religious as anything else it can become empty form we can get really really good at it We can get really good at it and we can think somehow practicing these things are what justify us. Practicing these things are are making us good Christians. And I just felt Jesus say, remind them, encourage them that it's their whole life. That even the things that are done in private need to be examined. That we could offer him an even more pleasing aroma. Amen? So... Yeah, you guys are welcome to uh, come here and just pray, Jesus. Jesus. I'll just tell you, there's nothing like magical about the altar <laughs> at all. You can come. Yeah. It's, it's just a matter of, it's taking a, a position in front of the Lord and, and just presenting yourself to him and saying, I'm responding to this with my life. 
I'm giving you what you're asking for. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Search our hearts and know us, God. We desire to offer you a pleasing offering, Lord God, that we would not be ignorant like the northern Israelites, Lord God, like King Jeroboam. Oh, no, God, we desire to know you, to lift up a pleasing offering to you, Jesus. And we pray now that you would search our hidden parts, Lord God, that you would have your way in us, God, that you would show us, God, that you would cleanse us and wash us by your blood again, oh Jesus, that places of complacency would be shaken this morning, God. I pray, Lord God, where there is secret sin, God, where we feel trapped, that this morning, Lord God, we would reveal it afresh to you, God, that we would give it again to you, that we would say, here, take this, have this, God. I know, Lord God, that there's been cycles of failure and sin, God, but this morning, would you touch it afresh, God, that we would be blameless in your sight, Lord God. We desire to be holy as you are holy, Lord. We thank you that you see us as the righteousness of Christ, God. Help us to walk in your ways, God. Help us to be light and salt in this earth, God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Lord, I pray now where our minds have been conformed by the world, that you would awaken your saints, God, Awaken your saints, awaken us, Lord. I pray, God, this morning you would reveal unholy habits to us, God, and that you would come and rescue us, that you would break the chains, Lord God, that we would walk in all your ways, that you would free us again, Jesus. Free us again, Lord, free us again. We need you. Purify our offering. Purify this living sacrifice to you, Jesus. You are so worthy. We're so happy you could join us on the Home Church Podcast. We pray this week's message encourages you to behold the Lord Jesus and bring his kingdom wherever you go. You can visit us online at myhomechurch.org, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us on social media. If you would like to give to this ministry, text the amount to 84321.
bless you.